Uprising family, today's episode is all about aspiring and inspiring musicians. So we're going to start off with a musician has got in touch with me after viewing the Reggae Uprising videos that go up every single Monday that you can view via my social media, Daniil Music on Facebook or Instagram. You can also check out the links in the description. Um, so this track that I'm going to start off with is called Taken from Don G's EP, You Reap What You Sow a track that is perfect for today's podcast and is called Nah Give Up. Enjoy. Guide me in your truth. Teach me for you are Jah, my savior. Every day I'm a prayer. Me no one for straight. Jah got my family here. No one for sure not yet. No one for sure not grudge. I'm not sure my love. Me still moving on, man I carry on, go the journey long. Me just a holy fear, mama said for we they must pull the gate. Yeah, I know the table turn, more you live you learn. Yeah, youth, just hold it firm, but a solid ground, you must get a return. give up is the perfect song to get things started with for today is that as a singer songwriter and creative person in many facets of the music industry I have first-hand experience of how determined you must be to keep on keeping on and my guest today surely knows exactly what I'm talking about being a musician himself He's a pianist that started his musical journey at the age of seven. Over the years, he's performed with many great artists such as Yaz Alexander and Pata Banton, as well as me. <laughs> and more recently, Naren has been performing with the Aston Performing Arts Academy, who aim to inspire young people through creative arts. I'd like to welcome Naren Lichmore to Reggae Uprising. Greetings and welcome, Naren. Greetings. First and foremost, as we have listeners from all over the world, I'd like to know, what is your heritage? Uh, so, it's Jamaican heritage. Um, my dad was uh, from Kingston and my mum was from uh, Hanover. So, Do you think your heritage has had an effect on the types of music that you listen to? Most definitely. Um, my dad obviously brought up on, on reggae music. Um, my granddad and my, my uncle's. Like they like ska and reggae as well, so definitely those kind of influences have had um, an impact on me. How would you say that they have influenced you as a musician? Um, I suppose um, how could I put it? So like listening to the, the influences of, of of reggae music in particular um, has had an influence on my on my playing on my playing styles, um, but not only that. Um, we've, we've come in with other genres of music, we've, obviously with, with jazz and, and, and blues and, and things like that. Um, certainly um, made my playing more colourful, 
um, also with the logistics of reggae as well with like its simplicity um, to maybe like two and three chords and beats and things like that so yeah okay so what you're saying you can bring a vibe yes totally <laughs> totally bring a vibe um, I've actually I've actually, I've actually I, it wasn't in the bar but I've actually been part of a, a reggae band only ever so briefly um, and that certainly taught me a few things about, dis- about dis- certainly about dis- discipline first and foremost um, and just kind of being out of my comfort zone as well because obviously like because of coming from a different background in music certainly being in a reggae band it's certainly a different culture and things like that so it's something that I learned so what are you saying the, um, the musicians in the reggae band were a bit harsh on you they wouldn't take no foolishness uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty much like that uh, I like the way they're, they're so disciplined and they're strict and they 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 believe in their craft so um, it was something that I would I'd like I took on board and sort of like how to develop that in my own style. Okay, okay. So what prompted you to start your musical journey with the piano? Um so how it started was my cousin had a little Yamaha keyboard that was one of the little baby ones um uh, at my auntie's house. So um I just basically started messing about on it. Um, and that's how I discovered it first and foremost and then it kind of um, went through into primary school um, my music teacher at the time saw that I had an ear for music and a talent so you know it kind of developed from that um, my mum and dad bought bought me my first yeah, the same Yamaha keyboard that I had at my, my cousin's house um, they bought it for me um, but then it, it just kind of went up and up and up really um, it started off by just listen, just listening to um, songs on the radio and just cop- copying them um, like note for note, um, and like mum and dad were just like completely astounded of of how that was. Um, and then getting into secondary school now, um, but actually I had a little story. Um, we had two music teachers that visited from another school can't remember the name of the school but um they visited our school which was which was great bar great bar school at the time um and was in music lesson so um they kind of asked us to um listen to the chords that they were playing <coughs> and then we would have to guess what they were so um it got to the point where some of them were getting them wrong, but then I literally got every single one of them right. Um, and then my music teacher turned around to me and said, I hate you. I was <laughs> like, wow, like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, hate is a pretty strong word to say to, to a 15-year-old, you know what I mean? So, like, I'm just thinking, what's going on kind of thing. So, but um, she said, I'll explain in a minute. So, we got to... The kind of like the composition part of the lesson so everyone was all relaxed and doing their own thing and that um but yeah so she came over to me and said basically the reason why i said i hated you only in a joking way by the way she doesn't actually hate me but she said that you've got perfect pitch so you can okay. tell what a note is on the keyboard without even having to look so then of course all the all the others were kind of like taking the vocal and you know having a laugh and a joke and whatever but um, that's how I discovered it. Um, 
and then I, d- I started developing that even more um, in terms of compositions. Um, started writing my started like writing my own music at the time, um, and then after that, college developed even more, and then that's when kind of like the band situation started coming in. Um, started making a few friends. Um, did some sh- showcases, like it said in the bio, like. Um, Yaz Alexander was was the lead on the showcases that used to happen at the drum, um, so R and B showcases, um, so that was all different types of music again. So you know your R and B, reggae, all all sorts of things like that. Um, Patter Banton the same um, a showcase at the Crescent Theatre. Um, that was well, that was R and B and reggae and things like that. Um, but yeah, so. That's that's how it's come to where I am today. Without those kind of influences in my life, I, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for those things. Okay, okay. Um, and are you, any of your family members musical at all? Is it just Do you? No, what? No, it's pretty much just me. But in terms of actually, in terms of actually playing an instrument, it's just me. But um, in terms of the love of music, uh, I'd say like the majority of my family are, are that, um, especially my mum and dad with, with, with the red guy, certainly, um, my uncle, um, he, he likes red guy, but he, he grew up on kind of like the British soul, British soul scene, um, um, British R&B soul scene, so, um, whenever we kind of have family gatherings and parties, those, those types of music is always, always playing and stuff, and we always have a dance and a boogie and that. Um, but yeah, so just me, unfortunately, or fortunately, okay. whichever way you look at it. <laughs> okay. um, how would you say um, perfect pitch? Are you um, the envy of all musicians that you work with then with your perfect pitch? Um, I wouldn't say the envy because like with other musicians, that they so, some of them may have perfect pitch or some of them may have what you what they call relative pitch so you can can you explain that. that for our listeners the difference between perfect pitch and relative pitch um so with with perfect pitch you literally can literally just play a note on the on the on the keyboard or piano or whatever and you can actually tell what it is without having to look whereas with um relative pitch it's something that um from what my music teacher said back in the day um it's something that you develop over over time so you kind of train your ear um, to listen to the notes and develop the develop the know how to know what it is from that. Right. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um, speaking of live performance, can you remember your first ever performance? Oh. Okay. I'm trying to think. If we're going, if we're going to my very, very first, it would have to be um, back in school. Um, and well, Great Bar School was was is a was a massive and still is a massive school. It's like two, uh, nearly two thousand three hundred pupils. Um, but my first ever performance was with um, a lad called uh, Dwayne Bennett, uh, and it was a house performance as well. So it was like a showcase of of mu- the music class. So um, I remember it well. It was me and him. We both had two keyboards. You know the old DJ keyboards that go DJ. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So I had one of them. He had another one, 
um, and there was this like wicked two step garbage boot that we always used to play in class. So then me and him actually just made this composition um, and it's a shame we didn't have a keyboard in front of me because I would have played it. But yeah, I remember it so well. It was a two-step garbage beat. Um, I was playing on the organ. He was playing like the bass notes or whatever it was. Um, and that was in front of 400 students. That was your first performance? That was my first performance. How old? You? Can you remember how old you were? Oh, well, I would have been in year 10. So I'd say I was one of the oldest. So I would say I was about 50. I was, I was 15 then at the time and that was okay. my first that was my first performance and as you can imagine it was absolutely nerve wracking to like play in front of 400 pupils at that age of course and it was an original composition it, it was an original composition wow. as well it weren't a cover or anything like that so that, that's what I remember from my very very first kind of live performance and it, did it all go to plan or did you it did it? actually okay. it did it actually went really well um, yeah, had a big round of applause and everything. Did you not do any performances before that? Because I know with a lot of musicians, they might not have done it to the public, but like, say, to family members, you might do your own little mini Ooh. recital or listen to this or... Um, the, only, the only time I probably did that was when I was kind of um, playing things off the radar, off my little, off my little kind of Yamaha keyboard, um, especially to my mum and dad. Um, my my cousins, um, yeah, th- those kind of co- those kind of things that I did do, and obviously they were they were pretty proud and pretty pleased. They were amazed about um, my, my my kind of talents and this God given gift that I had of of being able to listen to songs and just play them straight off without even like reading music or whatever. Because I, I don't I don't really read music that much. I read to a stack to a um, basic standard, but but mainly taught by ear, so, sorry, um, play by ear, I should say. So, um, wow. it's one of them, isn't it? Oh my gosh, super talented. Um, can you remember the first song that you learned how to play? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, dear, let me try to think now. I think it was Lulu's so I've Got Five on it. Really? Being wow. serious. Tune. Being actually serious. <laughs> it's tune as well, yeah. Um, so it was, ba- it was, I think it, it was practicing the baseline first. Um, and then as I got better, it was like baseline and kind of melody. So I've, 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 from the top of my head, that's what I first remember playing on that keyboard. Do you still play it now? Um, no. No, there's no for it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so we're going to get into... Um, one of the songs that you selected, but you only gave, gave me three. Well, go on. Uh, you know what? I could only think of three. <laughs> okay. At the time, so okay. I know it was seven, but I could only, at the top of my head, I could only think of three. I'll let you off because I know you. You're my friend, so. <laughs> Sorry. Right. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking what happens to everybody else? Don't worry about that. <laughs> mm. Right, so you picked Bob Marley Jamming. Mm-hmm. Any reason for that choice? Um... I suppose with, with with that one it's 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 always been like on the Sunday I'm at my mum and dad's it's a, it's a it's a nice and short afternoon um and you know it's kind of like I could hear it on the radio or my dad will play um on the on his CD player mum's cooking dinner them kind of that kind of vibe there so whenever I've heard that song it's always been 
that kind of memory that strikes me. Uh, yeah, you head. know, food and vibes just goes food together. Food and vibes just goes together. <laughs> so it's just one of those where oh, that's why I picked that one. Perfect, perfect. Right, so we're going to have a short little break while we listen to a little bit of Bob Marley jamming. have a career in it and some people see it as a hobby how did your family react when you said you were gonna kind of do it more full-time and it, for it to be your profession rather than just a, a little like a, th- a side thing kind of um to be fair did they say go get a real job they did actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah um my mum and dad did have concerns but at, at the time when I thought to myself that I was gonna be like a, a full-time musician um I think it it all de- it all depends on what kind of career prospects you go into in music. If you're feeling feeling being in a full time musician and you think that is your goal, then by all means go for it. But um, my mum and dad's concern was is that being a musician in particular, you know, it's not always guaranteed. Um, it's not always it's not always stable. Um, you know, there could be times where you'll get work periods where you get work and then there's periods where there's quiet times where you don't get work and it's it's those kind of periods which they were worried about with my, in terms of myself um it, it is hard out there obviously it's a, there's a lot of competition out there um not only that in this day and age now um you've got a lot of you know social media networks that people get into as well um and you know at the time when we were younger we, those platforms weren't weren't really around then, but um, in terms of composition, it's a lot out there now, especially with how easily accessible it is to do things like this, like podcasts and um, music videos and 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 things like that. So, um, but for me, um, yeah, my my mum and dad were always apprehensive about me thinking about music as a career. So, um, I. I was always kind of advised to have a foundation where um, you have a stable income, but then if music is still your passion, then by all means do it on the side, which is what I do do now. Okay, and how do you keep that balance between having that stable income? Because some people are like tempted away by the money and the the music becomes a smaller and smaller and smaller hobby to the point where... It's kind of just gathering dust in the corner if you're a musician. Like, how do you get around that? Um, I suppose with me myself, it's a it's about it's about planning and organising and and seeing where I'm available to to do the music side of things. Um, especially with me, obviously um, doing doing shift work uh, and things like that, I'm having to plan around it. 
Um, so uh, it's a case of I try and practice when I can, uh, first and foremost. Um, and if I have dates available where I can do gigs, then I do do them. Um, but for, for, for me, um, as, as sad as it sounds, music has, has come secondary now because, you know, this, the, this, like I said, the stable income, it, it kind of comes comes first because obviously I need to keep a roof over my head, bills got to be paid, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et um, but um, I, I never lose that passion for music and if I've made time for it, then I can. Do you think it's been made harder to make money through music through having... Um, these different social media platforms or easier? Do you think the the music industry has changed for the worse in time in terms of you think the market's been flooded by people like things like X Factor and Britain's Got Talent and all them kind of things uh, have made it harder because everyone thinks they can do it or do you think <coughs> it's you can make more money or less than before all of that? Um, it's an interesting question. Um, maybe I do. I think it, maybe I do think it's overcrowded. There's just so many. Um, social social media networks that people can it's easily a, a, easily access to to get themselves um, promoted kind of thing. Um, I'm not a real X Factor fan to be quite honest with you. I've never. I'm have with been. you on that. Um, I've never have been um, just because I just think that it is manufactured um, and that they are looking for a certain look or a certain voice or whatever i don't be, i don't actually believe they are looking for raw real talent i actually think they're looking for a certain look they have a criteria that they follow um and i i just don't believe in x factor at all i don't be, in fact i don't believe in any of the um kind of musical shows that you see today like the voice or um x factor or even Britain's Got Talent, you see some of them like that. I, don't, I just don't believe that they they cater for people of real talent. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of that, um, I think I do believe that it is harder. Like I said before, there's a lot of competition out there. Every, it's every person for, for themselves. So um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Maybe there, maybe there's not not enough money to go around, um, and especially with like, the, with the way the the government is with all the funding cuts into like the creative arts and things like that. Um, that again, that makes it even harder as well. Um, and you know, people are to having to either scrimp and save or gather sponsorship just to keep kind of like music projects and things like that running. So if you look at it that way then I would say, yeah. So do you think people place less of a value on you as a musician t- uh, rather than, say, other aspects of an event? Do you, do you feel that or do you, th- or do you not feel that? Do you think that's something that's got worse or better or...? Uh, it, all, it, it, it all depends, but, you know, you, you, do hear, you do hear stories about how musicians are devalued, especially when it comes to, like, like, like gigs or corporate events or or whatever else they they do feel like some some musicians feel like they're bottom of the pile when it really when it comes to the kind of like the 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 financial side of things um 
you heard that phrase, haven't you? Like we all have. Um, it's a good opportunity. It's a good platform. Oh yeah, it's a good opportunity. <laughs> it's a good platform to showcase your your talents. Or um, we can't pay you, but you've got the exposure. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you like, hear? Can the, I eat that exposure? Yeah. Is that can my I? Roof over can my I yeah, exactly. This is it. So you know, it, it's what it's one of those where. You know, that, that, those are the type of, type of phrases that you hear which devalue a musician or a band or an artist or whatever else. Um, and it's just not right. And, you know, I think that that culture just needs to change. I don't think it's... To me, I think as you get older, you, get, you, you rise to it. You used to hear those phrases when you were maybe a little bit younger, you know, in your teens, maybe kind of... You, you, Almost your early early twenties, you would say you hear those kind of phrases where, you know, you're you're trying to get yourself out there, and people are like saying, "Oh well, we can't pay you, but you've got the exposure or whatever else." Or if you do well, then you might be able to come next time, and we might be able to give you a little bit of money or whatever else. But I suppose as you get older, you start to rise up. To, you start to rise up to it, and you say, "Like you know what? Unless unless you're gonna." pay me or unless you're gonna you know look after me kind of thing then I'm sorry it just can't be done so I think as you get older you rise to it and you start being a little bit more resilient to those kind of situations I think you're right as in um as you get older as well you have more of an understanding or should I say overstanding of yourself totally. and therefore you understand your worth and your value more totally, so totally you're like agree. well my time is valuable so do you get what I mean? So there, there's less of a remit for people to do that, like like you said. So yeah, totally. I I totally agree with that, and I think as well. Once you kind of have a plan of, like, say for instance, you you have a set standard that you have a set, um, you have a set rate. You you kind of, I've noticed some musicians that they have a set rate and they explain what it covers. It covers you know the the labor the planes or what you call the plane time it covers insurance it covers travel expenses etc once you break it down and you explain it to potential suitors then they're more inclined to then say yay or nay then once you've made that plan and i think that's that's the difference between we'll give you some exposure or oh yeah we'll pay you this amount or whatever so Okay, so what do you what did you find the most challenging when you first started your musical career? Oh, um, was it the stage fright? Was it com- composing music? <clears throat> was it working with other people? Did you kind are you like when you do your compositions, you have tunnel vision? Are you like right? I've got to do this set way, and if you work with somebody else, they kind of mess it up. Are you quite um, open? I'm a child of it. I think. Stage fight was probably one of them at the start, um, but I think I think most people go through through that. Um, I've I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen myself many times. Um, as you know yourself, when we were back in college, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
like we were in bands and stuff and like singers would just have have stage fright but I was all I was nine times out of ten I would always been the one to kind of like encourage them and say like not to worry it'll be fine you know you've got a good voice etc etc um, but me myself personally stage fright was definitely one of them um, in terms of composition um, and writing music I think everyone goes through that that kind of like tunnel vision, tunnel vision. you don't know what to do you don't know which direction to take or what your what the structure of your song is or or whatever everyone goes through that kind of stage where you have writer's block um so i mean i didn't write or compose music all that much so for i couldn't say from my experience how that how that really felt um i did actually try some writing and then for some reason i just kind of gave up because i i struggled to kind of like put words together or I always felt thought that songs always had to like rhyme or whatever else so I th- that's what I found difficult about songwriting so maybe I should have just done some handwriting, handwriting songwriting workshops and maybe that could have improved but for me the songwriting kind of took a back seat but then the playing side and kind of the make making up music side of things on the piano was probably more my forte um but yeah those are the things i would say i struggled with the most because i never got that like you was always the calm one like so inside you ah! <laughs> yeah um but i think as i as i got older through through college, um, there was a couple, uh, a couple of people who says that actually, now you know what when you actually do say something, yeah, you're actually quite harsh but true. <laughs> oh really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, I didn't get that. I'm, I was a lucky one. I you escaped. was a look. You was a lucky one and escaped. <laughs> but um, there were things that I said to people that were harsh but true, <laughs> but they fixed up, so it was all right. Okay. <laughs> Did you ever make anyone cry? I'm trying to think if I did. No, actually, no. Okay. No. So not off the top of not my head. too bad. Or they just waited till you'd gone and then they cried. Probably. <laughs> they probably did. Oh, they probably wow. did. But it, it, don't oh, worry, it weren't no. a, it weren't a full on cussing. It was just like sometimes like people just had to kind of like just be told how it was. Um in and, and I think back at them times I'll I had I had high standards of of myself, so I think I was expecting other people to have them kind of yeah. standards, but it just wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I got you on that one. Yeah, it yeah. just wasn't there. Um, but having said that, those those words had to be said. But it worked. People did fix up. People did Im- improve, and um, it, it gave them confidence. So, um, going back to your stage fright, how did you, is that something you still have now or? No. You don't have it at all? I don't have it at all now. Okay. But I think that comes, I think over time that comes with experience. The, the, the more the more you kind of get yourself out there, um, the, the more you gig. Um, so, if you had a bigger crowd than you were used to, because you're probably used to a certain amount of people, if it doubled, you wouldn't feel any more nervous, you'd be no, cool with I'd it? No, I'd be sorry. Okay. Absolutely fine. Okay. Wow. Absolutely fine. But like I said before, I think that comes with experience over time. Is the more the more you perform, um, and the, the the more you kind of 
and especially with the repertoire that you have as well i think if you're used to the um the, if you're used to kind of performing the repertoire that you have um um with your band or or as an artist or whatever over time it just just kind of gets easier it's a bit like driving a car you just kind of in auto mode and just doing it there, there you go okay yeah okay um so what is your favorite piece of music to play when you're sad like you have you come in you had a rubbish day and you Ooh. know if you play this music it, it's kind of like i don't know like a meditation or you kind of just zone out so you're kind of at peace ah dear me um i suppose like when i'm feeling in that situation i t- i tend to like it's like an artist who doodles like i've just literally just play some like really kind of soft chord progressions to, to start with um and just kind of go with that and and kind of jam um but if we're talking about a particular song um i tend to play a lot of slow jam stuff so things like usher you got it bad um alicia keys of I ain't got you. If I ain't got you, I should say. Um, what else? Just mainly slow jam tracks, I think. And that just puts me in the zone. Um, and that helps me to relax. Um, and also reminisce as well, because we all love a slow jam. So Definitely, yeah. definitely. And what about your favourite songs when you're happy? Like, if you just come in and, I don't know. Oh, wow. You're just like, but it's sun shining outside and you just eat some nice food. <laughs> you're just like, yo! Um, you just play a little piece still. Like, what what would you play? Um, Play a lot of naughty stuff. So, naughty's R&B stuff. So, you're talking things like Jade, Walk Away. Um, what's the other one? Mary J. Blige, Real Love, um, Daz Band, You Are My Starship, um, just that, that kind of like, also kind of like the early 2000s, John B, Don't Talk, um, a lot of Amory, those kind of things, so those kind of like, up, up, uh, kind of upbeat, um, like Happy Go Lucky and having a party kind of them kind of ones okay okay um and before we go into our next tune that you've chosen let's go with a cheeky one what is it you play to seduce the ladies oh my days wow you're gonna get me into so <laughs> much trouble wow <laughs> You're not going to share this podcast anymore, are you? <laughs> um, right. So, the <laughs> so one of the one of the songs in particular um, was Tyree Side of the Sign of the Zodiac. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's one. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one. What's the other one? Well, Alicia Keys was the other one that they seem to like. Um, that worked out well, well for you. <laughs> Gonna say that on a podcast. <laughs> Silence speaks volumes. Now. <laughs> uh, I don't think it would be appropriate to say on podcast, but but yeah, it worked out well for me. Okay, on more than one occasion. Okay, okay. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Moving on before it gets too X-rated. Um, 
So you picked Maxi Priest, I believe, as one of your tracks. Why did you pick this one? And I'm trying to think why I picked that. Hold any memories? Any? I'm not. I'm not sure if it holds a particular memory, but I think it just. Not even just inspired. I just think it's just a song that I really liked, Um, and especially Maxi Priest is is old school. You know, you you, he's he's just that particular track in in particular is just one I listened to and I thought, yeah, man, this is the song, and I actually like the rhythm as well. So. It was just one that I just picked out at random, to be quite fair. Glad you took a lot of time to think about this. <laughs> like I said, it was like three songs. I know it was meant to be seven, but it was like, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just like, wow, like, what is free to I pick? But no, um, but that that one in particular, I just like the rhythm of, um, I'm just trying to, trying to think what it would remind me of. Actually, like one of the members will be like me and my family were driving we're driving to Bolton to visit my uncle in Manchester. And that song in particular came on and it always kind of will remind me of the journeys that we do take to Bolton to go to Bolton. Um because my obviously like I said before, my dad listens to a lot of reggae. So um those are the kind of tunes that come on that on that journey. So I suppose if we want to relate it to something, it would be that. And it it wouldn't just be that particular song. It would be like all the old school reggae and, and ragged tunes as well, like like Shab, like Shabaranks, for, for instance, um, Butcher Banter, and those kind of ones that would, would, would come on as well. But that would just put the CD in and it would be just like, we're away to our journey to Bolton. So... Nice, nice. Okay, let's get things going with a I little bit. I think that was well ma- recovered. Say that again? <laughs> I, I, said I, th- that. I said I think that was well recovered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, let's go into Maxi Priest, I believe. I've seen so many things throughout my life. The only thing I've ever seen survive the test of time is the strength of your love and when right seems wrong and wrong seems right just be careful be strong whatever my eyes can see my heart the end of um, this podcast here with Naren Litchmore. Um, what I want to know from you now is if you could go back in time and tell yourself anything from what you've experienced, whether it be to do with music or just life in general, what would it be? It can be a couple of things if it's more than one. Any words of advice that you give your younger self? Listen to your mum and dad and stop being so stubborn would be one. Um, I think there were, there's times in my life um, where I'd made some decisions where 
I could have done better without going into too much detail. And I think had I listened to my, if I had listened to my mum and dad a little bit more and listened to the advice I gave, probably would be in a much better position than I probably would have been now. I mean, I'm doing all right for myself now. Excuse me. I'm doing all right for myself now, but um, I don't listen to my parents a lot more. Um, then I probably would have been in a lot better position than I would have been. Um, like in terms of school, um, like like do my work, like things like that, um, and money, absolutely rubbish with money. So I had to listen to mum and dad at that point. Probably would have been a lot better, but I suppose in that sense. Um, yeah. So you're one of them people, as soon as it goes in your pocket, it's out again? Yeah, as soon as it hits the bank, it's gone. And, uh, you know what I mean? It's it's one of those ones where I've never I've never really got a grasp of it. I'm getting a bit better now, but um, but yeah, it's one of those where I'm absolutely rubbish with money and I'll admit it freely. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Wow. And what is it on? Is it on like nice? Is it on food or is it on just foolishness? It's on foolishness wow. to be fair. So wow. yeah, if I had listened to my parents a lot more, then I probably would be in a lot better position. It's on the girl, then, really, isn't it? Yeah, well. Oh well, if you want to put it like that, <laughs> maybe a small percentage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't believe you. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, Tell me more about um, the Aston Academy of Performing Arts. Um, You told me that your mission with them is to inspire young people. So tell me a little bit about how you go about doing that. Oh, wow. So um, Aston Performing Arts Academy. um, So they've been trying to get me on this thing for a while. I remember when when they kind of like first asked me. um, So... Um, two guys, um, twins, um, Pedigo and Trucio Powell. Um, I literally grew up with them. To be fair, um, my dad used to run a youth, used to, little store behind it. Used to run a youth club at Holt, um, Holt on a Tuesday. Um, so uh, the the twins and their brothers used to used to come, um, and I knew them from them. Um, been away on residential trips and things like that. Um, so fast forwarding up to 2013, um, uh, so um, Chu or True as as they know him, um, he kind of asked me if I wanted to be part part of this Aston Performing Arts Academy. I know that you you play play the keyboard and stuff, um, but at the time couldn't join them because I was working full time um, at the time. So. It certainly would have been difficult for me to uh, commit, um, but then um, I think the following year, two thousand and fourteen, my circumstances changed slightly, um, so I was able to give a, a, a lot more time um, for them, um, and so going to the the actual group itself, um, they are a non profitable organisation. They they um, develop young people's craft um, and creative arts. So that's um, music, um, music, um, drama, and dance. 
um, and they've been going for, I think it's 11, 12 years now. Um, and they, they were based in the based in the Newtown area uh, to start with, um, but we then um, go. They're based in a church in trying to think what area it is now. Hockley, can't remember the name of the church, but that's where they're based now. Um, but yeah, they've done all sorts of different performances. They do. They've they've been asked to do award ceremonies. So things like the um, the, Birmingham, the Birmingham Awards. Um, the the M visas, um, what what else? Uh, they've done award ceremonies at ICC. Um, I believe they've been down to London and perform at the House of Commons. Um, they've done um, they've done uh, productions as well. So um, in the last sort of few years, they did what they called the inspiring the inspiring brum at the Crescent Theatre. Um, which is quite popular. Um, they talk about issue the issues that young people are facing at the time uh, and in and in society in general. So um, we had the inspiring Brum to um, just gone um, at the Crescent Theatre um, a few months ago now, and they were talking of things like mental health, homeless homelessness, um, education, things like that. And incorporated it into kind of like a big musical production, um, which I took a lot of planning and organising and hard work. Um, and I don't think people actually realise how much hard work they do behind the scenes because they're literally volunteering their own time. They're not getting any kind of um, financial gain from it. Um, but they do work really hard. Um I can't even remember how many, many pupils there are, but there seems to be a lot of them. Um, so, and it's not only just singers, it's it's musicians as, as well. Um, so you know that if you're not able to, to do a gig, then there's a, a musician that can step in and, and, and fill in for you. So. so what kind of age range do they work with? Um, so they work with... Uh, so they have, they have a junior section, so I think they go from the age of maybe five or six onwards um and what's the top age you reckon uh i'm trying to think but i mean there there are i think i would say up to 18 19 but there are some kind of um how could i put it without being too disrespectful like older performers so you know people who are like in their mid like you know early to mid 20s um, that perform there as well, are performers as well, um, but they also act as kind of um, like musical di- musical directors or wh- however you want to call them. So the um, older older ones that work there are more like mentors. Yeah, the mentors like, for the yeah, yeah mentors okay. for the for the young people and stuff. Um, but yeah, um, I've been I've been with them. I can't remember how long I said. Um, but it's, it seems like years now, but last sort of like nine years or so. Um, it's probably been a little bit longer, but um, that's how long I've been with them. And yeah, it it's an amazing experience. Um, you know, I've given a lot of my, my time to them. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of the best organisations that I've worked for. Um, from a volunteering sense, first of all, Happy to 
um, encouraged um, the, mu uh, the musicians and, and stuff and gaining their confidence in performing and everything else. And it's gone from strength to, stre strength, to strength. Um, other performances as well, um, they've done the, the food festival at the Joe Quarter uh, and there's, there's a food festival at Cornwall Road that happens every year. They always get asked to back every year, so... Okay, and if um got any young people listening that are based in Birmingham in the UK, what is the process in trying to become part of that? Do they have to audition or? Yeah, um, they'll they'll have they'll have dates which they'll post in their social media. So um, whether they they've got they've got a face they've got a Facebook account, Aston Foreman Arts Academy. If you search it, you can easily find them, and they're also on on Insta. I think it's Aston A P A A um, on on Instagram. So, um, they'll have dates for when, excuse me, for when the auditions are, um, and then the young people like will have a chance to kind of audition uh, and join up, um, and I'm not sure how often they do it, but it seems like annually. And not only that as well, they actually go into they actually do some outreach works. So they'll go into like schools and, and colleges and things like that and get people interested and signing up and then obviously they'll get um, invited to the auditions and that so they'll do it that way so that's how they would be able to kind of network with us kind of thing okay that's great no that's um i love your works doing that inspiring young people to you know progressing their talents and you inspiring them as their mentor is is definitely positive works that um we love here at Reggae Uprising. But for now, we're going to move on to your last tune, because like I said earlier, you only gave me three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting you're it just go. Gonna, you're just going to keep yeah, just I'm reminding not me of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you chose Marcia Griffiths, Keeping It Real. Now, I think that, I think with this one, it's, it's, it's in the title. It's about keeping it real. It's about, you know, keeping it focused. Um being honest, being truthful. Um, and the connection with this one was that I, I first heard it um, in the barbers, um, waiting for my haircut. Um, obviously, like, with my um, my barber, obviously, likes, likes reggae music and stuff. So I just remember that blasting in the background and I was next in the chair, and ready to get my haircut all nice and fresh. So that one was, was playing and I thought, I'd never heard that rhythm before either, so it was something that was new to me at the time. So I was like, yo, this is, this is the truth. So that's why I picked that one. Okay, here we go with Marcia Griffiths, Keeping It Real. One heart, one you heart. and me, one love, eternally. It's automatic when you're loving me like this, and I'm so glad we've got it. Automatic. Right now, who has inspired you either musically or in life? Oh, we can have both actually. So musically, um, at the top, 
at the time when it was playing, I'd say I'd say Alicia Keys was was one of them, because um, I just liked her. I liked her playing style at the time, and I liked her songs. Um, but in life in general, I would say my parents, um, Jason Estridge was one of them back at South Birmingham College because uh, he influenced a lot of of my playing style as well. Um, trying to think who else my college teacher at the t- college tutor at the time um, she taught me a lot especially with, with playing styles and learning learning how to read music and stuff like that um, other musical influences Stevie Stevie Wonder like literally an ama- amazing musician and songwriter and um producer like um i remember like watching one of his documentary one of his documentaries um and like his attention to detail um and the way he plays was something that i was just absolutely blown away by so i would say him okay do you have any words of advice to aspiring musicians I would say always always practice, always keep focused. Um never never give up. Um and just keep doing what you're doing and do you don't ever let anybody devalue your 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 worth um and always believe in what your worth is. Great advice, great advice. Well, I've got a random question for you now. Um, can you cook? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I've opened a can of worms here. Wow. Wow, wow. Okay. Um, wow. Is I'm your mum going to be cussing? You're not going to play My mum's going to be cussing. My nan's going to be cussing. Um, no, I'm, abs- I'm an absolutely I was gonna, cook. You know, the next question I was going to ask you, you know, is like, you said you had a daughter earlier, so like, we're going to say like, what signature traditional dish you're going to pass on to your daughter well my mum will be passing it on right <laughs> <me>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah oh, gosh. yeah um yeah i i i feel i've really admitted i'm not i'm not the best in the world in terms of cooking but um but no my mum my mum is teaching my daughter how to do so really, so you just things. come for yam food. You didn't, I just go. You, I just go to yam. No, 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 no. I just mm. go. I just mm. yam the food and done. <laughs> okay, so probably I should rephrase the question. Yeah. What is it you like for yam? What is it? Oh wow. Um. So. Favorite dish that mummy makes. It has to be akin saltfish and fried dumpling. Okay. Okay. Um. You know, your traditional Sunday dinner. So your rice and peas, your chicken. You're just thinking of everything I'm nice now. Of, yeah, um, but all but what one of the things I really do like is when my when my nan cooks curry tripe. Curry tripe is okay. my thing with white rice. So yeah, okay. okay. So you're relying on your daughter to keep up the food heritage. Then you you had not. It's to definitely do with not going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but well, we'll just have to wait and see. But like, but mum's sort of like teaching my daughter a few things so we'll wait and see what happens okay 
Are there any other traditions that you had when you were younger that you want to pass on to your daughter? Any things, um, say, certain days you do things or little things that maybe growing up you thought that everybody did and realised that they don't, like, that's um, from your culture or...? Well, certainly, certainly encouraging my daughter to, to visit grandparents because that's something that we always did, like... Obviously, not so much now as because of work and things like that. But when we were younger, I was you know going to visit grandparents and and and, and eating dinner with them and, and things like that. Um, I still go and visit my nan when I can every other Sunday when I'm off work and and you know just go and see how how they are. And that was the, the tradition we had. Um, Christmas as well, Christmas, Christmas and New Year, family gatherings and things like that. Um, something that I, I, I take my daughter to quite quite often um, and kind of those kind of traditions um, I would say I would love for my, my daughter to keep that that going okay okay and um, what is the legacy that you would like to leave behind so when you're gone you'd be happy as long as you did XYZ, like what is the legacy that you want to leave for your daughter? That is a really, really good question. Um, well, I'm I'm teaching I'm teaching her to play play the keyboard at the at the minute. Um, so obviously, being music music in general, right? That that would be something that I'd want to leave for her, um, and be be able to kind of carry carry that on. Um, I would love to see her like go up and perform. Whether that's even like playing the keyboard or she's a very good singer as well. She's got a really good voice and she's got a really good ear for music as well. I'm convinced she's probably got perfect pitch the same as me. Oh, so you passed it on. So yeah, because like um, whenever I've heard her play the keyboard, she's playing she's playing songs off her favorite TV programs like note for note, like literally wow. perfect pitch. Like so, it it just absolutely blows me away. So. I think that's the sort of legacy that I'd want to leave. Um, it's kind of like the music, the music, and developing their talent, and you know, if you know when I'm gone, that that she will, she would carry that on. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Naren. You are most welcome. It's been wonderful. You've been inspirational, and um, I love that you're still inspiring people with your music and everything that you do. So um, I hope to see you again soon and not make it so long next time. <laughs> um, I'm just going to leave you with one of my tunes, seems as <clears throat> Naren didn't pick enough tunes for the podcast. Uh, so I'm going to leave you with a little bit of Bless My Soul. I hope you enjoy it. You can check out the music video, um, the official music video via YouTube. So just type in Daniil, Bless My Soul. That was shot in sunny Jamaica on the beach if you want some nice, warm vibes. Also, I'm going to put links in the description so you can get in touch with Naren if you'd like. And also for the um, Aston Arts... Aston, Aston Performing Arts Academy. That's the one. Aston Performing Arts Academy. If you're a young person, I would like to get involved with that. But for now, as always, blessed love.